Hello, everyone, and welcome to the American Scouser Podcast. We are your regular crew here. Galley literally just running in. Just, I mean, we always give shit to Bickler about being in the last minute, but I think he has broken your record, Bickler. Literally joined in as the intro was ending, and B- BJ was even on earlier than Galley was. But I am your host, as always, Simuchin, on a glorious Monday over here. This is what I get for being a freaking optimist. I'm going to get It's going to be a long goddamn night. I warned about this in the pre-match, too. With us today, already itching for freaking action, and not early, but definitely earlier than Galley, is Bickler. Bickler, what's happening? You guys always bust on me about being late. I got to ask for a StreamYard link. Galley's coming in late. Like, I don't know what's happening. Uh, to be fair, I just realized like half an hour ago that I had not eaten all day. And we record the Premier League show right after this. So I was like, I'm getting some food in the system before I get the nonstop. Honestly, this is more too. excuses than Jurgen Klopp, to be fair. And, and, but you know, the were not dry. I did make some very nice moist ribs. <laughs> the they were more dry over there. Gally, what's happening? Were you walking the dog? What are you doing over here? Ah, it's got to be bizarro world when it comes down to resetting the Wi-Fi, trying to get the fired up computer, and well, you being okay with an afternoon like today. Oh, I mean, hey, I'm not okay. I'm more okay than most. Let's go with that. So it's going to be quiet. Uh, but actually, you know what? I was. This is probably what Gally was planning to show up late, so we don't do like trivia. And ah. I poor guy because I wasn't gonna do it if it was just Bickler. But I have a quick one, an easy one, actually, like semi-interesting one. Uh, out of the the Premier League teams that were the founders of the Premier League, there is one club that is no longer in the top four leagues. Bickler, who could it be now? One club that is not in the top four leagues. Um, this week's question submitted by Alan Walnuts, who says, greetings from Houston. He initially sends these to stump you guys. So they're fighting with BJ on who's going to stump you guys more. What is the club that actually is not a club anymore? It starts with a B. Come on. Uh, what is the club that Murray? was in the Murray? <laughs> Were they in the club? <laughs> The right. answer is seven. The answer is seven. It's seven games we've conceded first. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have absolutely no clue who 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 the team is that was in the prem to start that isn't any longer. Um, Would you like to make a bad guess like Paul or? I mean, I know it's. I mean, Wimbledon's no longer a squad because they're MK Dons, but I'm just going to say Wimbledon because I know they're no longer a club. There's still a it club. Is, is it is it is a club, isn't it? I was gonna say it's yeah, Oldham still a club, actually. But uh, the original Oldham, yeah. who is now in the national division, which is like oh. the fifth tier, all the way down. Remember that time Oldham Oldham beat us in the uh, league cup? That was a good time. Ah, memories, memories. Okay, well, <laughs> let's make some new freaking memories over here. So. We kind of talked about it. And honestly, like, you look at this lineup, guys. I don't think it's, you know, rocket science to anyone. We kind of talked about it in the pre-match show with Maka and Mateusz. I think you look at this lineup, Bickler, today, which I don't think anybody guessed this lineup uh, like four or five days ago. And we'll talk about the situations behind it and stuff. But I think the concerns were very obvious. What was the first thing you thought of when you saw this lineup? Well, I mean, the three words that I responded on Discord, we can't read out loud on here. But um, basically, like, I mean, I think the thing that jumps out is right in the middle that we're starting a 37-year-old in midfield, and then you just work your way back and you see Phillips and just try not to, like, put your hand through a computer monitor. Um, I don't understand uh, this at all. And I know – that this was just a crazy week from an injury standpoint. Every day somebody was going down and training or pulling up with something apparently. I just don't understand what the point of having players on the bench as precautionary subs. Like we like Gomez and Henderson are precautionary. Like what's the point of having them if you're not going to start them? 
and their replacements are so subpar. Like, I just do not understand it. Like, um, and that's no disrespect to Milner because, I mean, Milner, for all intents and purposes, has been one of our better players so far this year. That's part of the problem. I just do not understand how we're in a position going into this year. We're starting a 37-year-old in midfielder. We're now down to our fourth-choice striker. We still don't have a backup for Mo Salah. There's no right-wing depth. And there's there's absolutely no depth in it. I don't understand. I don't get it. Like what? Like this has been an issue for three years, and we still haven't addressed it. I don't understand it. And I keep hearing about how we just have to wait for the right player. Well, the right player is the one that's available. So let's start there. Let's start with somebody who's available, and then work our way backwards. Because right now, it just appears like Jurgen Klopp is very stuck on a few players that are unachievable targets right now, and the team is suffering for it. Dally, do you understand it? Because Victor doesn't. <laughs> can you explain to Victor or can you explain to any of us? I guess, like, you know, I think essentially it's like a, it's one that I do not agree with, but this is how club rolls, where when we have players like this, where we will not be able to play them 90 minutes, he would rather put them on the bench and not risk him if needed, as opposed to, you know, starting him and then hopefully putting the game away and then taking them out. I realize the latter is a bit riskier and not guaranteed, but we see this over and over again. I just felt personally on a day like today, I guess it'd be a different story if Gomez goes in and 10 minutes, Gomez comes out injured. Maybe then we're saying, why did you risk Gomez? But either way, but what do you think of that? Because these guys, if they're good enough to be on the bench, should not should he not have been out there? Yeah, I mean... the. Obviously, they were okay enough to play because they came in the match. They came in at some point when we needed them. And for me, that means that they were fit enough to play today, and then they therefore they should have started. And with five substitutes, I'd rather get the first 20 minutes and find out that he's not fit enough to play rather than play Phillips and find out everything we thought we knew, which was if it comes down to a one-on-one foot race, Saha is going to score. I mean, they had one opportunity to score in the first half and they buried it. And really, we're lucky that they didn't have the second one. Um, you know, and, and it might have been just a really different match right from the beginning. And for me, the fact that Klopp continues to go back to the well sometimes with some of these decisions based on his overall like kind of gut feel and his faith in the boys, I mean – you couldn't have faith today in Nat Phillips going up against Zaha. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. And then on top of it, you take Henderson out, which kind of weakens that side, which just kind of compounds itself. And then the response is to play Miller. Wasn't even like he went with Kata and Elliot, which I think would have been a real gamble, but at least you could have said, I was trying to offer something different to my midfield. Instead, you really, you rolled out James Milner. And it just didn't make any sense whatsoever. So, I mean, Bickler, like Matush says, give him the chance. We'd rather see them come off in 10 than play the last 25 and, and see they're okay. And I think that's kind of like where we're at. I agree with that. I mean, that's how I would do it. But we know club has never done it like that. Even in these like, you know, like cup games and stuff like that in the past, you know, like we loaded the bench and we were like, let's see what happens first. Then we'll put the big boys in kind of deal. But I think the bigger issue was we have uh, Fabinho that's really out of form, so we could not even protect him as well as we should. Hence the situation with the goal. I mean, I just don't. None of it makes sense to me. Like, I just I feel like I I feel like I'm living on another planet. I just like so like you're gonna okay so say. Say in some bizarro world, like starting Nat Phillips is your answer, right? Like, I know that Gomez just returned from training, okay? Like, I mean, we saw what Gomez looked like for the last 20 minutes of that game, and it was pretty fucking good. Like, yeah. good enough. Like, I thought he was arguably the best. Like, I mean, it, he probably looked great because let's be honest, Van Dyke has been subpar for two games now. Subpar. Like, I think he looks slow. He looks old. He looks tired. And it's the beginning of the season, and that's that's scary. 
But in some bizarre world, say you got to start Matt, right? Tweak the tactics. Like, why are you starting a player who's a championship level player who is a not a high line system center back and you're not changing anything? You're not even put. You're not even putting a double pivot in front of them. You're not even bringing a midfielder and tucking inside on top of them. And you're asking Trent to go forward with free range like he normally does, and then sticking a snail behind him. It makes no fucking sense. Like you cannot, if you're going to stick like that, and you're just going to plug and play people. You at least have to change the tactics somewhat. And like the fact that like this is like. I love Jurgen Klopp. He's a club legend, right? But this has been a criticism of Jurgen Klopp his entire managerial career, that he doesn't have a contingency plan. He does not adjust tactics fluently. And, like, at this point, I have to agree with that. I think – here's the thing. Not only defensively, we kind of knew that was going to be an issue, right? You see the lineup. You're like, hey, Zaha, Trent – Who's going to cover that? No handle to cover that side. So like Elliot and, you know, like a fab, that's not his fab self. I think even in some other ways, as you watch the game, I mean, I was like, oh man, where's Matip when you need him? Because there was so much space. And granted, if probably it's Matip, he's probably not given that space. But when Matt had the ball, you know, Christopher Paulus could just sit back and not worry about him really driving towards, you know, the defenders and get him out of that shape. He had so much time on the ball, on the dribble, but he's not a threat. So I think having Gomez there, because they would not be able to do that against Gomez, Gally. You'd like to believe that they wouldn't be able to. Um, I, I just think that the way that we saw them respond – to the overall tactics, to Paul's point, there was no change whatsoever in shape. There was no, there was no response to the personnel that we had. And clearly we, we started a weakened side and to not change your tactics at all. When you're playing with, with the 37 year old in the midfield and a slow and, and subpar center back pairing your fifth choice center back, it's a little bit of just straight up arrogance to the point that if it was anyone else, we'd be questioning like why they did it. And to do that without your captain, it just, I don't know if it has more to do with not having Gomez there as it was just not setting up all the players for success. And like, you know, Van Dijk gets questioned for not cutting off the Zaha play fast enough. I think he doesn't know what it's like to have to play next to a center back. Who's not, tactically able to play the way that he and his partners have for three plus years. And I think everyone who wanted to see Phillips play with Van Dyke, we saw today why they are not the pairing of center backs because they don't actually make each other any better. And I feel like that's what you saw today. You saw almost a frustrated Virgil the entire 90 minutes. To be honest though, I agree with Bickler where Van Dyke has not looked himself and I mean, that goal should go partial to Fab because totally like whiffing it uh, where you should be cutting off that counter. And obviously, Nat's kind of like trying to almost cheat to set the trap, but Oof. he can't set the trap and he's chasing. But here's the thing. Van Dyke should be able to close that down. I think a, a normal Van Dyke closes that down, cuts down the angle a lot more. And, you know, at least makes the shots a lot more difficult. He almost looked like he was initially going full speed, and he did not. He was almost, like, too afraid of the cutback. But even if Zaha cuts back on him because, you know, Van Dyke is coming full speed, I mean, you would hope Phillips by then would catch up because Phillips was tracking back. He was, like, only two steps behind. So a cutback, you know, Phillips comes back, everybody else comes back, and I think we'd be able to avoid that. I mean, it's kind of, like, easier, I guess, to go back to these goals and, like, you know, pick and assign blame. But I guess, I mean, I feel like that he is partially to blame for that as well. That back line has just not been the same, Bickler. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I have a little bit of a, worry. well, first of all, let's just get everybody healthy. Right. But I'm also worried about Van Dyke. I mean, you saw that miss in the second half when he was in the box up front, that sort of like half volley where he just swings and absolutely misses like, on um, like, I don't, I'm worried, man. I'm worried there's something off with Van Dyke right now. And, like, I just 
I don't know what the answer is because I feel the same way about Fabinho. He was better today, but he was still off it for sure. And this is the beginning of the season. Like this is when everybody should be their sharpest. And it looks like the end of a season for these guys. And that is very, very worrying. Yeah, Jamie says he doesn't get risking a player from the start, but I still feel like if you're good enough to be on the bench, and if oh, I mean, here's the thing: if you're good enough for the bench, like in the handles, what's a risk? Can give at least forty-five minutes, then give us those forty-five minutes. I rather not play catch up and get ahead rather than play catch up. And I understand, you know, if you have to take it out at halftime, you can say, "Hey, he was already having a knock, so we had to take him out," but. And then, you know, put fresh legs in because you can kind of tell, especially against teams that sit back and have a good shape they keep. Hendo's presence is important there in terms of like, you know, fast ball moments. He's not going to have, you know, the fancy, you know, through balls or whatever that Thiago is going to have. But he moves the ball a lot faster, which obviously helps the cause. So, I mean, here's the thing. Obviously, a brutal start to the season already four behind four points behind who we know we're going to end up chasing one way or the other based on the performances by themselves and obviously the points already and history. Um, I thought, Gally, that, I mean, the two games were totally different, though. Like, we did start a lot better, and I thought we looked a pretty good side compared to the first week this game. It was more like the team we know in terms of intensity level. Yeah, I thought we had more fluidity early. I thought we were crisper with our passing and our press was much better. But I'd like to believe that happens when you play at home. And I do think that the crowd gave them good energy early and kind of picked up the side. I also think that they had opportunities in the first half to to score. And, you know, they they didn't bury them. They were They were close a couple times. And I think that was a little bit disheartening for him. I think if they might have been able to pop one in early, I think the whole outcome of today might have been really different. One thing I noticed, and I don't know, like if it was kind of like stuck out to me because we knew like Nunez was out there, but I felt like we were putting a ton of balls into the box where we normally do not. And we really still only have one guy in the middle that can go after him. I, and that was almost like, like Mo didn't have a great game, but I feel like that almost takes Mo out of the game a little bit because he did actually have that chance, but he's not that kind of a striker. You know, if the opportunity that came to Mo, for example, goes to Jutta, that's probably a goal. But Mo is not that kind of a striker. Are you shocked to see that, Bickler, where it felt like we were putting probably like two, three, four times more balls into the box than we normally do? So I, I kind of disagree with that just because I think that like, it felt like exactly like what we've always done. Like we've always dumped balls in the box and just complained about not having a target. So the only difference is now at least we had a six foot two striker in there to blame it on. That's, that's still not a plan B versus a, a team that puts a low block and four back in stacks eight in the box. I mean, we can dump balls in all day to a six foot two forward, but I mean, that's like the only difference is, is this, it's Darwin, not Jota. You know, I mean, we, like think about think about when we were disappointed and we were frustrated in the past. It's always we don't have a long distance threat from the midfield, or we're not able to to dissect the low block. It's not we're not putting enough balls in from wide areas. I mean, that's what we've always done. So for me, it just felt like more of a continuation of the same tactic not working. And just we bought another piece that we thought would be a piece of the puzzle and maybe breaking that down and just wasn't successful. But like, to me, I think the frustrating part was not the fact that we were that like all of a sudden we were just doing it. Just, it felt like a continuation of what's never worked for this Liverpool side. So let's talk about newness a little bit, Galley. I mean, obviously we'll get to the red card, but what did you make of his game until then? Cause I know the red card will kind of, be the story, but what did you make of it until that point? And then we'll talk about the red card as well. Well, I mean, he, he was definitely a focal point through the middle. I think he had some loose touches at times and, you know, I, I thought he was a little over aggressive and we'll, we'll get to the red card. I think his response kind of showed that he just is still showing his age and his talent might be there to warrant an $85 million move to a top club in the world. But I think at times we might see a little bit more of this 
petulance and behavior from him because I don't know that he's a finished article mentally. And I think we saw today that he has a long way to go to actually know where his role is. Cause the last thing that this side and his teammates needed was to not have him for the next three matches. And it's not even about the, the actual getting of the red card. It's putting yourself in a position to be shown a red card in that spot for, it wasn't like it was a mistimed challenge. It was just a, you know, he saw red and the miss came over and he lost it. I thought his touch was loose in the first half. Um, at times he looks like he has a really good understanding with Mo. And I think that could spell to something really special in the future, but I think he's got a long way to go. And I also think he kind of started today out in necessity because they didn't have anyone else to start up there whatsoever. Actually, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, that's a good point, I should say, and I will make it into a question. Bickler, you think if Bobby is healthy, Bobby still starts over Nunez today and he comes off the bench? I do. That's what I was yep. expecting. But Yeah, I do. I think Bobby probably starts today. Um, and if we look back, like, you know, when we started, when we signed Nunez, like, I, ha I have a friend who watches a lot of Portuguese soccer. It's Portuguese shocker. Um but he said, uh, like, the, the one thing he was saying is, like, this isn't Luis Diaz. He's not – the like, when, when we bought Luis Diaz, he was the finished article in terms of, like, what people talked about Luis Diaz was, like, how technically proficient he was as a player and how good just from a technical standpoint he was. And that's not Darwin. Dar Darwin is very rough around the edges. Uh, and you can see that, like, when, when Galley talks about his touch – you can see that. You can see that sometimes in his positioning. You can see that sometimes in in the first touch. You can, and here's what I'll say about Darwin that I love. I love the fact that he plays the game like he's in a bar fight. I love that about him. He's physical. He just plays with an almost reckless abandon, and I love that about him. But what we saw today was a 22 year old who let his emotions get the best of him in a big spot. And I think that's part of, I think that the, the sort of technical deficiencies and I think the fact that his age, I think have, have a lot to, fact, to do with the fact that he is a player that was going to get worked very slowly into this role. And I think he got thrown into a position today that he wasn't ready for. Um, I still love the player. I still love his mentality, but I mean, that's, that's a pretty tough lesson for him to learn in this spot. And I hope, I hope that he gets the bit between the teeth and comes back hungry. You know what I mean? Um, and, and sort of, sort of takes this and I can't think of a better manager for him to sort of learn under in terms of, a, from a mentality standpoint. So um, that's the positives. And, and, you know, like that nasty streak that he has, I love that about him. It's a straight red, no questions asked today. I mean, I think if you ask anybody objectively about that, it's in he, I mean, honestly, he probably could have gotten a red for the first challenge. That was missed. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, it's one of those where his frustration gets the better out of him. Obviously, age is a factor in that, but that's something that he has to hopefully use this to kind of get out of his game. Only, I mean, basically due to the fact that this will be out on him. And you have a lot of center backs in the Premier League who will know that and will go at you just to get that reaction from you. And that's probably my bigger concern. And I think, you know, I like his play overall, like you're saying, Bickler, like the aggressive, the physical play. And actually some of the interplay he did, I was actually, I would say I was slightly pleasantly surprised to see those. Like, for example, Jamie says Bobby doesn't nervous start after Fulham. Much more threat with Nunez missing him with the red as a usual. But honestly, after Fulham, I really don't feel like that's fair because who deserved the starts? I mean, we would have to start the reserves after that Fulham game because I don't think anybody looked up for it. Galli, one thing I fear that causes that frustration is compared to Holland's, right? And he's always going to be compared to Holland. I mean, that's his luck coming in the same summer or whatever the case might be to the two contenders. I think one thing that Holland has going for him is he kind of like has that more confidence. I feel like he will have a short-term memory of missing things and less frustration Whereas it feels like maybe because of his style, like Bickler is saying, that it's a bit easier to kind of rattle and frustrate Nunez. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to like diminish Holland's ability by saying he, 
you know, Ruse misses less or Nunez cares more. I think Nunez plays with a little bit more of his heart on his sleeve. And I think Collins had a little bit more success at an earlier age at a longer period of time, which maybe helps you learn a little bit how to put some of these kind of highs and lows in, in perspective. Hollins had really highs in the champions league scoring goals for Salzburg scoring for Dortmund, but he's also, you know, missed a lot of time with injury, which I think sometimes helps a young player kind of realize what they're missing by not being on the pitch. So I think to Nunez's point, I think he just has to figure out how to be himself. And Paul made a good point earlier about how Klopp might be the perfect type of manager for him. You know, Klopp was going crazy trying to get him off the pitch when he was losing his mind going after the referee because Klopp knew what he did deserved that red. And he just wanted him off the pitch because he wanted to minimize his overall kind of emotion on it. And I think that was important. And I just think he has to, he has to just kind of put his head down. He has to learn a little bit about this and, and just look at himself and not worry about anyone else. So earlier, Chris Bengal was saying the top, the five, four, top four is on totally like last year. I still feel like that's an overreaction. Like say, if that, that game could have gone a lot more differently, if we are able to capitalize on one of our chances. And maybe if we started a better, if you made the necessary adjustments, I put this more on Klopp than anything else. Because, I mean, the first one, I think the Fulham game, it was more like we said the players, right? Like the attitude, the approach over it. It just did not look like they had the energy levels to match Fulham. I felt like we started really well. You capitalize on one of those chances. It's probably a totally different game. Or if we start with the riskier lineup, well, in terms of like injury riskiness lineup, I feel like we go to distance. How big of a... I know you're quite upset, Paul, but in the grand scheme of things, do you agree that it's that big of a deal for the fighting for the top four or is just like, you know, once a couple of these guys come back, we're going to start rolling like we were? Uh, probably somewhere in the middle. Like, I don't know that I'm going to go and say like, you know, well, we're in a fight for top four for five and six, but like the, I think the, I think the alarming thing to me is that these are issues that are like long threaded issues through the fabric of the club that are issues that have been festering for three years. This isn't a patch of bad form. Okay. This isn't like a slow start to the season. And like, it really, it really irritates me to hear stuff like Klopp post game, basically talking about how this week was like, an injury plague of biblical proportions. Like injury crises hit teams, okay? It happens all the time. West Ham played the entire last two months of last season without a center back. Like we, you make adjustments, you buy for depth, you make tactical tweaks, you make philosophy changes. We've done none of those. And we have known issues in the squad. And we've had three years to know that all these contracts were changing this year and this is going to be a transitionary period. And it does not appear that we have made the, the the like the necessary contingency plan for that transition, mostly because it does not appear that we have like addressed any of the depth issues and any of the points of the team we're concerned about. And we're now trotting out a team. Injuries aside, put out the injuries. If everybody's healthy, we are trotting out a team that is the oldest in the league and pretending like we're going to walk this league and be in contention for a league title. And I just don't know if I'm there yet. I mean – I just think I, I'm, I'm deeply frustrated at a lack of urgency in the side coming out of this season, and I'm deeply, deeply upset and frustrated with very, very obvious flaws in this team not being addressed. How about you, Gally? I mean, in terms of squad flaws, I agree with the midfield only in the defensive midfield sense. I think that's probably one area – that it was kind of glaring because you're back up to Fab, who was showing signs of getting tired. Obviously, it's like a long ass season last season, but he's kind of like started the same way because obviously these guys had just had a short break. Definitely doesn't look himself, or you know, and he's so crucial to what we do when he's done in this game. It really shows and it exposes people behind them as well as in front of them. But um, what do you say, Galley, in terms of like looking ahead to the next couple of weeks? Obviously, we had the United game coming up. But, you know, as these guys slowly come back, is this team going to get back in the groove? 
Well, yeah, I, I expect this team to get back in the groove because I believe in these players. I believe in if they're all fit, but I do think that to Paul's point, the frustration lies the fact that a couple injuries that are things that we should have prepared for because they've been our experience over the last 18 to 24 months were treated like they weren't problems. Like Tiago was going to stay fit a long time and it was okay for Milner and Henderson to get a year older. I still think that we're going to see this team start to age before our eyes. And if Elliot doesn't make a huge transformation forward, if at some point Jones doesn't offer something, you know, the fact that Nabi Kata makes the bench but can't get in and onto the pitch today makes even less sense than anything. He was just sick or ill from what I understood. You know, I, it, I just now we're risking players that weren't healthy enough to start to come in and make an impact. It just all of this doesn't add up. And then there's just constantly excuses. And I just I feel like there's just more excuses over the last six months than I can remember at any time in the last three years. And that went through COVID, Van Dyke, and having no center backs. Yet now the excuses are there, whether they're the manager, the club, uh, or the PR machine telling us why we're not you know, looking at buying $15 million midfielders that could do a job instead of playing James Milner today if you don't have faith in anyone else. And I just feel like it's the excuses that I'm frustrated with. But would you rather have, I mean, I guess it depends on like the person, but would you rather have that an unknown coming into, because here's the thing with, with Klopp, even if they sign somebody, let's say for 20, 25 right now, you guys know we're not going to see him till after the World Cup, probably on a regular basis. Right, Becker? I mean, I, I mean, I guess there's the need now, but even then, knowing Klopp, he would try out 37-year-old Milner out there before putting that new guy in who has not learned the system yet or... Well, I mean, I think once again, that's that's probably on Jurgen Klopp, though. I mean, it like he was forced to play Diaz. That turned out okay. Do you know what I mean? Like he was forced to play him, and he hit the ground running. It's like this is another one of those things with Jurgen. It's like, I mean, sometimes I think he he has a, a little bit of a reckless arrogance about him, and in terms of like just having things done his way. Um, and I get that he's probably earned that to some degree. Well, not to some degree. I think he's probably earned that. But I think, like, at the same time, like, you have to just hold your hand up and address an issue when there's an issue. And, I like, this is, like, I get – I understand protecting young players, okay, and, like, wanting to, to, to sort of slowly bleed them in, and I understand that. I understand wanting to have a path for young players into the side – but I also understand that your number one obligation of the manager is to the club, not to these young kids. Okay. And if Jones isn't good enough, he's not fucking good enough. Go buy a midfielder. If Harvey needs more time, he needs more time. Find a midfielder and Harvey will fight his way back in. Okay. But you've got four midfielders and I disagree with you. I think it's more than just Fabinho. I mean, Fabinho. Yeah, definitely needs stuff. We have Henderson, Tiago, Navi. All three of them have had some serious, serious injury and health issues and age issues. None of them are getting younger. Like the midfield is just, it is what it is. And I'm sorry, Harvey and Carvalho, offensive minded midfielders are great, great additions and they're great kids, but they're, that's what they are. They're offensive minded kids. Neither, neither of those players are box to box. I know that Harvey is going to develop and I know they're trying to develop that way. Jones suffered massively last year, had wildly inconsistent performances, struggled with defensive assignments on that side of the field when he played. Like Ox, it's it's a non-conversation with Ox. Like, just go address it. Just go address it. And I think that's the issue. Like, some of the depth is not reliable ish like depth. I think when I say Fabinho, because I don't want to count as Henderson behind Fabinho, right. so that you can have, you know, those three old guys. Hopefully, one of them will be healthy for that spot, as long as you have somebody capable to go behind Fab. And you do have one of those kids who can kind of like play that role. What did you make of Elliot's game, by the way, today, Gala? I didn't think Elliot was terrible. I thought that he did his job. Um, you know, he he links up really well with Mo and Trent. And you can see that they have a, a solid understanding. And going forward, I think he offers this side an enormous amount. I 
question whether or not he at times puts the defensive the players behind him at a tougher spot, whether that be Fab and in some ways Phillips today. Um, and I'm not going to put anything on Phillips' performance on Elliott. I think Elliott offers an awful lot, but to Paul's point, I think he's a kind of a luxury asset right now, which is why I felt like he was a impact substitute that should have came in to make an impact to the second half of this match, not starting it especially in such a big match. The fact he got a nod over the captain today blows my mind. And if I'm Jordan Henderson, it kind of speaks volumes of where I'm at. Unless he was just another player who was, you know, in the barrage of injuries. Because He was. Everybody who, said. Everyone, he was. said he would but, not be able to play the whole 90. So, so he got the last 40 minutes when we were losing. That makes sense. And that goes back to, like, do you start him or do you, like, bring him in uh, hoping maybe the starters kind of put the game away so you don't even have to put him in? So I understand that sense. I understand that argument where maybe you will not ever even be able to put him in. You know, Monarch that one in. Nunez gets one. The game is almost put away. You don't need Henderson. I get that. But I think knowing how it was going, even at halftime, I thought Elliot played really well, actually. I think Elliot can go back to the form that he started with last year. But... To be able to have Elliot play the way he does, you need Fab to be the actual Fab, and I think that's not what we have right now. And obviously behind in the center back play, which is, I guess, another concern. So, uh, Bickler, what do you – I mean, let me play some devil's advocate over here because it's what I freaking do. Does Is it just stubbornness on Klopp's part, like you were saying? Or you think it's more – you know, he's big on like the whole team concepts and the mentality. And he, you know, making some radical changes like that almost signals to the team that it's panic mode as opposed to, you know, what he's doing now. Uh, I mean, I put tactically today 100% on Jurgen Klopp. I put the overall midfield picture somewhere in the middle. I mean, we've had this discussion before and a lot of people like – there's two, there seems to be two camps. There's the FSG can't do anything right, and Klopp can't do anything wrong, right? And I don't belong to either of those camps. I think the 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 I split the difference, where I think that like FSG has obviously made some mistakes, but I also think that Jurgen Klopp is not a messiah, and I do think he does a lot of things that I think he makes mistakes. I think today's loss is on him as much as it's on anything anybody, and I think if I'm looking at this midfield situation in general i think the reality of it is is he's probably working within the constructs that fsg has given them money wise i think the money is there for them to spend and i think you're gonna have his heart set on a couple targets and he doesn't want to go out and stray from those targets because he's afraid that it's going to make it so that he can't go get the guys that he thinks that he can go get in the next window that's would be my that would be my guess okay um I don't think either of those are right. I don't think either of those are correct. I think that there's plenty of targets out there. I think it's disingenuous for him to sit here and talk about not having the right target because I know that there's probably a list of 25 to 30 players that the club has looked at over the course of like four seasons and would go by if they needed to. Um, I think Jurgen's probably just got to pull the trigger. And I don't know that he ever will. I don't know that he will. Um, I just think, man, at some point, it just, it just kind of is what it is. I'm like almost sick and tired of talking about it, but I'm also like, just, I just think I'm, a, I'm at a loss because like, I saw this, like we saw this shit coming. Like, like we're going to have injury issues at some point in the year with this squad. And so don't fucking sit here at a press conference and act shot. Don't sit here and act like surprised. You're not fucking surprised. You knew what was going to happen. Like we knew this was yeah, going to happen. What do you expect him to say? I mean, this is when you guys say this for Klopp. You know what? That's why I like Conte. Me, what is he going to say? I like say? Conte because he won't fucking answer a question if he doesn't want to. And Jurgen Klopp should do more of that. If he has a question he doesn't want to answer, he shouldn't answer it. Don't give me a bunch of bullshit and act like you're surprised. But no answer is an answer. You know, if he's asked Great. a question about getting, and he refuses to answer it, that signals more problems than him answering it. I mean, I think we talked about this. Was that for like last week, the pitch dry conversation? I'm okay with his coach talk or whatever. I don't, like, I I don't think it does cause more problems because you know what Conte would do? Conte would be like, we don't have more midfielders because I'm the manager and that was my decision. 
That's what Conte would do. And and that's what like Tuchel would do. And they're both dickheads, Mario. but at least they're at least they're honest dickheads. You yeah, know what I mean? When we talk about him being dickheads in terms of like the team play, that kind of differs from club. I feel like you guys want both of best worlds, and that's not fair on club. I'm agreeing with this whole, you know, like lack of willingness to make any changes. But I think in terms of his talk, you guys kind of want best of both worlds. You guys want honesty, but you guys want a guy who protects his team and kind of like feeds the whole team concept too. Nothing he's doing is protecting this team right now. Nothing he's doing is protecting this team. Galley. I think there is a way to do both without sounding lately because he has had to be so defensive. And and by defensive, you know, when you have to go to the podium six straight times and explain why you conceded first, you by kind of being flippant and like talking about injuries, you're actually avoiding the number one thing, which is why does your team keep conceding in the first 25 minutes of every match in which you set them up for? Like, what is it about the tactics that aren't working with this? Because we've never actually addressed that. Like, we don't talk about that, why we start slow or why we're conceding early. We've actually focused on the injuries. And maybe that's Klopp's magic, you know, bending of everything with his half German accent and his broken English. Like I have this feeling that like, like Ichiro speaks better English than anyone's than I do. Right. But like he, he pretended for 25 years in major league baseball, like no, hablo, you know, like he's basically given the no Spanish to English as a, as a Japanese American, but it was smart because he never had to do an interview in English. And I think Klopp does that a little like, he laughs and he giggles and he kind of talks with a broken dialect and he acts like he doesn't understand the question. What we're really doing is, is papering over the cracks, which is right now for the first time since basically last April, he hasn't had any answers for what the problems are because nothing we've done has actually changed it. They went out and bought new players. He hasn't changed the tactics. They got players to play a different formation. We haven't even seen it in practice in the preseason. And then we get forced into playing the personnel because of injury, and he still refuses to utilize those people. Today would have been a prime example of a way to start with a 4-2-3-1 if you really wanted to. Yeah. Start Milner and Fab together and play Carvalho from the beginning. like just Or play Elliott in the 10 and go for it. Try something different at some point nothing and it, it just it it reeks arrogance and for such a humble man you know who's supposed to be the normal one right now the only thing we're doing is the same thing over and over week after week and expecting different results and we all get all over city for the way they conduct business but to paul's point they don't get old they don't get stagnant because if someone's not good enough or if they don't think they're good enough they go out and buy the player that is this much better than them to push everyone in their side along and i'm not saying we have to be that because we won't spend that way but this idea that the only way to do business is the way that we have been it's 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 as old as in jurgen i trust because at some point you are allowed to question the manager it doesn't mean that you're not supporting the club yeah, I agree. I mean, like I say, I definitely agree with the stubbornness in terms of like not changing things or making it up, especially when you have the injury crisis and you're having to field kind of like you're saying, Galileo, you're fielding people that maybe you would not definitely. I mean, like Phillips, for example, uh, you know, like and putting him in situations that you normally would not. I can definitely understand that. I just feel like sometimes. I just want to know one. I just want to know what happens behind the scenes. I'm okay with him saying this stuff to the media and saying all that. I just do not, you know, what is happening in the background is, I guess, what I wonder more because we can't. I here's the thing, like Turkle, right? For example, like an example you gave, we talk shit about him after he lost the preseason. He was like bitching about his players. I don't want that from my manager either. I don't want him saying, hey, we don't have this. We don't have the midfield. You know, I just don't want him saying that either because I don't think it goes with his personality or what he's built. And you don't want to kind of like blow it up just because uh, it's kind of like his style. But the stubbornness part of it, I can definitely agree to that to you guys. But so we got United next. It's going to be quite the experience there. Uh, if you were looking for a team that's in worse shambles than us, it would be them. 
Um, what do you expect to see in that game, Bickler, in terms of lineup? I know obviously there's like a lot of protests and stuff like that coming up too. It's going to be all kinds of drama. I who mean, who, from the drama, I guess. I mean, who knows? I mean, who knows? We don't have a striker. Like we don't have a striker, which would also have been solved if we would have bought depth for the right wing. Cause then we could move most centrally. So, um, I don't know what this is going to look like. I mean, I would imagine that we'll have Matip back by then, maybe. Not um, two weeks, so more than likely. We uh, might see Gomez, though. Well, I mean, who knows? We, he might be another. Today. So. I mean, it just might be another, like, sub just to protect him. I don't know. I don't – probably not the day to ask me this question because I don't have a very fucking – nice way to to say that we're going to put well, out let me a ask you this, then. I'll ask you a different question since you didn't forget sure. like that one. Uh, sure. I'll put this one out of my pocket. Were you shocked with the cost? Well, I could give you like a bullshit answer like Klopp that everybody likes, but it wouldn't be true. Hey, whatever works, man. Whatever works. <laughs> uh, were you shocked with the Robertson substitution cost us coming in for that? No, I was not. And I was one of the few that wasn't because when you're chasing a game and you're throwing balls into the box, Nobody has a better ball on him from that left wing than Costas. Nobody. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I was shocked first to see him in come in. Then it kind of made sense when you thought about it. Yep. But unfortunately, his delivery was way off today. Uh, Gally, would you like to answer that Manchester United question he passed on? So um, I'm going to hope that Gomez can play because if Nat Phillips plays, like Ronaldo's going to actually come back from the dead. And will actually probably look like a human being playing in the Premier League again. Imagine if Ronaldo woke up and found out he was going up against Nat Phillips against Liverpool at home at Old Trafford. He'd literally be like, really? Really? Um, and I just, I, I think that Gomez will play. And obviously, hopefully, Matip can make the bench. And Jurgen can talk about how he doesn't need to play him. But if he had to, he would. But then he won't put him in unless he has to. And then he'll play fine if he does. Um I think in the midfield, hopefully Henderson's back because I think you need that leadership. And honestly, the most important thing might be that Fabinho shows up and plays a match again for the club because I'm not sure he's actually played since like late March, early April because he was missing down the stretch. He was nowhere in the Champions League final. I know he was coming off injury, but he, he struggled down the stretch and I just feel like he's still struggling now. And it's almost like our whole side goes with Fabinho, which would make you think at some point they'd find him ample cover in the side. Yeah, I feel like it will be a Keita, Hendo, Fab midfield, which would do well against the United team having issues trying to build from the back and stuff like that. And Keita, that's why Keita does especially well against them. So I expect more of that. The front three, I mean, depends on, I guess, what Bobby's injury is. If Bobby is not available, are we putting Elliot on the right and Mo in the middle? Because it does not seem like there are a lot of other options here. Bickley, would you like I, to pass on this one too or take a Yeah, out? I would like to address the fact that there aren't another whole lot of options because we haven't addressed what Damn also is the wrong guy. Gally! <laughs> Gally, what <laughs> I'm gonna just pass it. We'll just I'll put Bickler on mute the rest of the way. Well, I mean it, it's it's too far intervals with him for fuck's sakes. <laughs> it hurts it hurts it hurts when your 85 million dollar, you know, 85 million pound buy up front can't play. So that's a first part of why you're a little bit short. But I I you know it might even be Carvalho on the right and Mo in the center. Um it might be Carvalho through the center. I know that would seem like a drastic move and, and just playing Mo on the right because you know you can get at United on the outsides and cutting in on their center backs. And it's not like we have to worry about starting a guy with height. I mean, they start a guy our height at center back. So, um, <laughs> But I do think it'll be interesting to see which way they go. We're going to have some lineup issues for the next month which is kind of crazy when you call yourself, you know, the deepest or second deepest side in all of England. We were on paper, God knows. Uh, afraid to come to Bickler, but Bickler, can you give us a score prediction while you're at it? Or would you like to pass? Maybe I'll yeah, put like no a pass button there. You can just hit it and then we'll just go to Both teams suck. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, let's go. God, let's go with a therapeutic 3-0 win for Liverpool. Who cares if we don't have a striker or midfielders? No big deal. We got it. 
How about you, Gally? Some op. Let's keep the optimism going because it's I, bad. It sucks when I'm the only one. <laughs> I I think it's going to be two nil. Um, it's not going to be the easiest of matches, but I think you know, outside of a horrific mistake by Brighton's goalie, United would still be looking for their first goal of the season, and they'd be outscored six nil in two matches. So I think we'll be a little too much for them, probably on the counter and on the press. And I think their supporters will put too much pressure on them, but I'll go out on a limb here. That's all assuming this match gets played. Cause when these idiots talk about doing something like a boycott, they usually screw it up to the point where they won't even get their point across where they all walk out of the stadium. The match won't get started because half the idiots won't get the memo and they'll start boycotting before it even begins. Yeah, I'm going with a 3-1 victory. My optimism has backfired this week. Hopefully, it won't again next week because I don't want to hear it from my brother, who has already thrown the white flag for Manchester United for the season. But And, you know, this little guy over here who just joins the entire family and had his first game experience today, and tell you what, he was a tired puppy. He was literally sleeping between my legs. Uh and only got one snack out of this whole ordeal. So he is not too pleased with this whole soccer thing. I'm hoping next Monday will be a radical change for him. Any parting thoughts, Bickler? Any passes? Any like coach talk on the way out? You know, give us. No, something. I hate everybody. I want to fight somebody. That's about it. Yeah. Let's wrap this thing. Just think, Gally, we got to record the Premier League show with this guy next. So I might just pass on that whole concept. But you came in late. You missed the pre show misery. I got. A full hour and a half of Bickler so far. Uh, any parting thoughts from you? Um, no, I'm just going to say that there might be a clash of heads if we have this much positivity on the next show. <laughs> I might just uh, have like edibles delivered to everybody. So we started before the show or something like that. But well, thanks a lot, everybody, for joining in and all your comments. If you have not done so already, head over to YouTube, subscribe to our channel. Uh, where you'll be able to get to listen to Bickler being crabby on the Premier League show, uh, which we'll be recording after this and should be published sometime on Tuesday or Wednesday. So have a good week, everybody. Next Monday will be a lot better. Take my word for it. Take it easy, guys.